I'm excited to be with you this morning. I got to tell you, um, last Sunday night we had district assembly service in this sanctuary, and I sat here and the place was packed out. And you know what I was thinking? I want to get up and preach to this group. I want to go. Um, I got to tell you, I brought the Kleenexes up because I want to share from my heart today to you. I want to share with you what's on my heart, what God's been doing in my heart, in my life. And so I'm, I'm excited to share that with you today, and I hope that today God will speak into your heart, and I hope that you're right there with me as to God working in your life. Before I get started, I want to go over just a couple um, quick things. Um, if you have a bulletin, make sure you check out the back of your bulletin. Uh, there's, a, there's a section there that's about the community, the access community projects. There's a couple cookouts coming up in the next couple weeks. And one of them there, the top one, the Lakota Point one, it, it says to be determined, but it is going to be on the 31st, which is, I believe, um, a week from Monday at 6 p.m. at Lakota Point, and they're going to be partnering with Lakota Schools to do a cookout and some ministry in that neighborhood. And the other one is, um, it, if you'll read that, we're looking for some donations and looking for people to be a part of that in the Meadow Ridge Apartments on August 5th. So check that out and join with us. I loved it. When, when we went to Lakota Point last time, it was awesome to see a bunch of teachers and principals and assistant principals from Lakota schools ministering alongside us in that community. And I think it would just be incredible if we sent a group to love that community and work alongside the local school district to reach out and give hope and joy in people's lives. So be a part of that. Um, but today I want to take a few minutes and I want to I speak from my heart. And I usually do. <laughs> That's not new, is it? I want you to know what's on my heart, and I'm not real good at hiding what's on my heart. Um, but, but I really believe that God has been speaking to me. Last weekend, um, I had the opportunity to get away, and, and I, I went down to Atlanta with a buddy of mine, and just took some time, and, and my plan was just to get away, and to think, and to study, and to pray, and to plan. And I went on this weekend trip to Atlanta, and I, I met my buddy Tony, who I'm going to talk about here in a little bit, but Tony, is, he's recently become a pastor in South Carolina, and so I just thought, hey, it would be good for us to get together and, and share what's going on and study together. And, and so we spent um, Thursday through Saturday in Atlanta, and, um, and we talked, and we shared about life, and we prayed, but, um, but I, I came away from that trip with one thought. That's, that's pretty bad, isn't it? When you study and pray and think for three days and you come away with one thought. <laughs> but I came away with one thought. And that thought was this. It was two words. For what, God? For what? Now, I realize that doesn't make a lot of sense to you, but for what are the two words that I walked away from that weekend with? And I'm telling you, I was on fire about this God for what? On the way home, I was driving back, and I sat in traffic over and over again, but on the drive, I spent a good portion praying with my eyes open as I drove, and I, I just got to tell you that my heart was pouring out because I believe that God has something for us, and my question is, what is it for what? What? 
So let, let me explain how I got there, because I realize that the two words don't make a lot of sense if I don't explain the background. But um, I was just thinking as I, as I went away about all the stuff that's been happening. I was thinking about the process that we've been going through as a church, that, that my family's been going through, that all of us have been walking through together. And I was thinking about the different phases of this. And, and, and honestly, I think there were four things that really jumped out at me. And, and the first thing was this, that this has been a time of stretching. I believe God has been stretching us taking us out of our comfort zone. God has definitely been stretching me and getting me out of my comfort zone for the last year or so. And God's been doing something, stretching us. And so that was the first thing I thought about. The second thing I thought about was the moments of confusion. <laughs> I thought about this last year, and, and I don't want to share too many details or anything, but I just want to share with you that over the past year, there's been a lot of moments of stretching, and there's been a lot of moments of, of just confusion, of like, okay, God, what do you want to do? Where are you leading me? And it seems like there were moments where I thought I knew, and, and maybe I didn't, which is the third thing, moments of clarity, followed by moments of confusion. <laughs> and that was when I'm like, all right, God, I'm praying. God, show me what you want. Show me what you want to do in the church, in my life, wherever. And, and there were moments where I was like, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm getting it. And then more confusion. And so there were, there were moments of stretching. God's doing something. God's working. God's getting me out of my comfort zone. There were moments of confusion. There were moments of, of feeling that God was with me. But then there were these, this fourth thing, and that's this. There have been moments that I have had an unbelievably clear feeling that God wants to do something in my life and in this church. Whether it was with me or without me or whether it, was, whether it was in my life here or whether it was my life somewhere else, I have had this feeling that God wants to do something in my life, in this church, in your life. And so I had these moments, the stretching, the confusion, some clarity, some confusion, some moments where I just couldn't deny that God wanted to do something. Moments where I felt like we were just ready to burst at the seams because God wanted to do something. And you know what my prayer is? God, do it. All of this, all of this journey... All of this stretching and confusion and these moments of just feeling like we're ready to burst. My question is this, all of that, God, for what? What is it that you want to do? What is it, all of this that's happened, why? What are you trying to do, God? And so I sat in the hotel room and I, uh, I was sitting with my friend Tony and I just want to share with you a little bit of Tony's story. When I went to South Carolina, I was the youth pastor, and we had a teen in our group. His name was Tyler, and he was one of our rougher teens. Um, he got in trouble quite a bit. We were constantly calling home to his family. If we took Tyler to camp, then we had to call his parents at some point in the week and talk about what Tyler was doing and, and get some correction there. If we went, I remember one trip, we came down here to Cincinnati, and on the way down, we, we had a rule that when Tyler got in trouble, we would just make him sit in the van with us and talk to us, because that's punishment as a teenager to talk to your youth pastor and your youth workers. 
But Tyler, would, Tyler, Tyler was kind of a difficult kid for us at times. And, um, and honestly, when we would call home to talk to them about what was going on, it wasn't a good situation. We never knew the response we were going to get from his dad and his mom. See, Tony, he grew up in church. He had parents that are kind of like the, the anchors of that church in South Carolina, and he grew up in church, and, and he knew God, but at some point, Tony walked away, and his life became just out of control, and, and the things that we've been talking about that, that can hold us in bondage and, and in slavery, those things were so real in his life, and when I moved to South Carolina and when Tyler was in my youth group, at that time, Tony was just lost in bondage, struggling. And one night, Tony came to church on a Sunday night, and God changed all of that. God's power and God's love changed all of that, and all of a sudden, Tony knew where he needed to be, and so he was back at the church. And about a year or two later, Tony had really been making strides, and, and he became kind of my key youth leader in my youth group. So this guy that I used to call when his son was giving me problems, and I never knew what response I was going to get, now this guy's walking beside me in ministry, and he's on fire for God. And I'll never forget, we made a, we made a little video. I used to make little silly videos with the youth group in South Carolina. And we made a video, and one of the pieces of the video was that, that Tony got up and pretended that he was a preacher. And, and it's just silly, but I remember we watched that video, and I looked at Tony, and I thought, that's what Tony needs to be doing. Tony needs to be preaching. That's, God has something for Tony. And sure enough, after I left and came here, Tony kind of stepped in and took over the youth group a little bit for me, and within about a year, Tony felt the call to ministry. And so we've got this guy who is so lost and so in struggling with sin and, and brokenness in his life, and God did something miraculous. And last weekend, I went down to Atlanta to meet with my friend Tony, who God has done an amazing work in. And as I sit here and talk about my situation and our situation and, and what God's been doing and for what, God, I had to ask the same question for Tony. Man, you were there. You were hurting. You were broken. And God brought, God brought you all this way. For what? What does God want to do? Well, today I, I want to ask you a question. What does God want to do in your life? What does God want to do in this church? What does God want to do through you? All of you have a different journey. Some of you may, may relate with Tony where, where you were broken and lost. And some of you may relate more with me where, where you just felt a call or, or you've just been following God for most of your life. We've all got different journeys, but I think the important thing we need to ask ourselves today is this. We're all here together. What do you want to do, God? So I, I want to jump into Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to spend our time in Ephesians 1, 17 through 23 today. But um, Ephesians chapter 1, if you've got your phone or a Bible, uh, let's start reading in verse 17. It says this. This is Paul's letter to the church. I keep asking that, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ... 
The glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So, so Paul starts off by saying, this is what I want for you. I want you to know the hope, God's glorious inheritance, and his incomparable power for you. What's Paul praying for? He's praying that the church, his friends, the people that he ministered together with, would know God's hope, God's inheritance, and God's power. So I want to talk about those things real quick. And I want us today to think about this in terms of your life, in terms of our church. I want us to think about what Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus. What would it be saying to us today? So the first thing is this, that the believers will know the hope to which he has called you. The hope which he has called you. Here's the thing. I love what happened in Tony's life. I love feeling like God has been moving in my life. I love it that we're all here together this morning. But I got to tell you something. God didn't just call us to be in church this morning. God didn't just call us to be happy with where we are. God calls us to hope. The truth of the matter is, the world around us is broken. And I know that all of you have things in your life, whether it's family or whether it's things that are happening to you, whether it's relationships in your life, whatever it is that you feel are broken. And you feel like there's no hope. Well, today I want to tell you that we are a people of hope. We're not just a people of religion. We're not just a people of worship. We're not just a people of showing up. We are a people of hope. The world is full of pain. We have hope. The world is full of sickness. We have hope. The world is full of broken relationships. We have hope. There's, there's brokenness. There's drug addiction. There's cycles of poverty. There's abuse. We are a people of hope. God has called us to be a people of hope. The other day I had the opportunity to hear Tim Green, who was my chaplain um, or, or my dean of religion at Trevecca, one of my favorite preachers, and he said it this way. He said this, we are a people of resurrection. We believe in a God of resurrection. We believe in a God that sees the brokenness and sees the pain and sees the, the seeming situations with no hope. A God who can bring resurrection and peace and change and love and unity in those situations. And so we are a people of hope. We are a people of resurrection. Let's talk about that. That means no matter how bad things are around you, no matter how bad, uh, no matter how sick someone around you is, no matter how upset someone around you is, no matter, no matter how lost a situation seems to be, we are a people of hope and resurrection. We believe in resurrection, so we have hope. We're a people of hope. That's number one. The number two says, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. Now, this one's interesting. 
Because if you just skim through that and if you just read it, you would say, okay, we're a people of hope. But as you read that second part, you might be tempted to think that that's about our inheritance. That God's saying, you need to know how lucky you are for this inheritance. Well, the inheritance that this is talking about is actually not about our inheritance. This is God's inheritance in us. It says, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Not for, in his holy people. In Deuteronomy 32, it's they're dividing the inheritance of the people. And it says that the, for the Lord's portion is his people. God's inheritance is us. The way that God receives glory is through us living as a holy people that are a people of hope and resurrection. And so that we would know the riches of God's inheritance in us. Think about that. That's incredible. You don't think much of yourself sometimes, do you? Sometimes we, we beat ourselves up. We think that, that we're nobodies. We are God's rich inheritance. God loves us, and God is glorified when we are a people of hope and resurrection. We are God's inheritance. What does that say about us? It says that God loves us, and that living a life of resurrection and hope brings glory and love and peace to God. And so, God receives glory when we live as His holy people. So number one, we're a people of hope, a people of resurrection. Number two, we are God's, God's glorious inheritance when we live as a people of hope and resurrection. Number three, he says that the people would know his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. And this is what I've just been hung up on lately, is God's incomparable power for us who believe. This is where I want us to focus today. Paul's prayer is that they would know the power of God. And we're going to move on in a second, and we're going to talk about that power. But I want us to understand today that God, God gives us hope, God gives us resurrection, that God loves it when we're a holy people, and God's inheritance is us being a people of hope. But God gives us a power like no other if we believe. If Christ lives in us, we are connected to the greatest power source to ever exist. Do you hear that? I need somebody to hear that. If we believe in God, if God is in us, we are connected to the greatest power source to ever exist. There is nothing more powerful than God's love and God's power. And so we're a people of hope and we're a people of resurrection. You know why? We're connected to the greatest power source to ever exist. God's power is greater than anything else. God's power is greater than sickness. God's power is greater than brokenness. God's power is greater than the cycle of poverty. God's power is greater, and we have it. It says, for those who believe, if we are filled by the Spirit, we are tapped into God's incomparable power. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do we live that way? <laughs> I don't want to get into like beating anyone up or anything, but do we live that way? I know sometimes I struggle to live 
like I'm connected to the greatest power source that's ever existed? Do we live that way as a church? Do we believe that the God that we serve is a God that's more powerful than anything around us? Do we believe it? Are we living it? Just yesterday, I had a conversation with somebody. They're working with somebody that's, that's going through kind of a, a cycle of poverty, and they just can't get out of it, and it just seems like the people that surround them keep them there, and, and there's abuse, and there's brokenness, and no matter how hard they try, they can't get out of it. And we talked about, man, there's a lot of power in that situation. It's a hard thing to break. But I got good news for you this morning. We are connected to the greatest power source ever, and because of that, we are a people of hope and resurrection, and even when there's a situation that seems like it holds a lot of power, it has nothing compared to God's power. So let's pick it up in verse 19. Paul goes on to explain this source of power. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. I, I want to start again. I want to read this again, and I want you to read this with me and think about what this is saying, okay? Think about the power and what this is saying about it. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only now in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet. And appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who, fill, who fills everything in every way. Let's break that down a little bit. Number one, it says that, that the power that, that, that Paul wants the church to know is the same power as the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's exciting. That's crazy. I, I don't know about you, but that's... That's hard to understand. The, the power that we are tapped into as God's people, as God's church, is the same as the power that raised Christ from the dead. Is that not incredible? Do you get it this morning? We don't just serve a God that's really nice. We don't just serve a God that's really good. We don't just serve a God that's a little bit better than the other God. We serve a God that has power to raise from the dead. In the greatest moment in our history, Jesus being raised from the dead, the cornerstone of our faith, we have that same power if Christ lives in us. So we could be a people of resurrection because we have the power of resurrection. Number two, it says power above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name now and forever. Here's the thing. Nothing we face has power over Jesus. I don't care how dark your situation is, I don't care how big the giant is in front of you, nothing you face has power over Jesus. It says that Jesus is above all rule and authority, over all power and dominion, and over any name that can be called. So let's just throw out some names. Heroin. Let's just throw out some names. Divorce. Let's just throw out some names. Abuse. 
Let's just throw out some names that that seem like they have power. Jesus is above all of those things. There is nothing that has more power than our God. And we live in that power. So we're a people of resurrection. We can claim it because God is more powerful than the giants in front of us. In fact, what I love about this is, do you know where Paul's writing this letter from? Paul's talking about the power of God. He's writing the letter from prison. He's sitting, he's sitting enclosed, not being free because he's under someone else's authority and power, and he's telling the church God's power is greater. This isn't a message of despair. This is a message of hope. This is a message of excitement. It's a message of God's great power, and Paul's, Paul's writing it from prison. So no matter where you're at today, no matter what the darkness is that's around you in your life, you serve a God that is far more powerful than anything you face. Number three, everything is under his feet. Jesus is above all things. We talked about over Easter time that that we worship the king. And here's the thing, Jesus is king over everything. Everything is under his feet. That means Jesus is the king over the greatest powers in this world. Sometimes, sometimes there are great powers above us that we feel like control everything. But, but this morning I want you to know that Jesus is king even when it seems like there are other kingdoms that are ruling, even when it seems like there are other kingdoms that have more influence. Jesus is king over everything. Number four, this is important. He is the head of the church. He is established as the head of the church. This is important for us this morning because sometimes I think we get this one wrong. I think we say, yeah, God has power over the darkness. God has power over that stuff. But then we think that the church is about me, that I am in charge of this, that, that this is about what I want, or this is my church and it's about what I want to do. And the truth of the matter is, Jesus is above the church. Jesus is the head of the church. And so the most important thing we can do is say, Jesus, what do you want for the church? You are our guide. You are our head. Lead us. We are a part of it. We want to be a part of this resurrection power, but this is Jesus' church. This is God's church. And so the biggest question we need to ask ourselves today is this, God, what do you want to do in your church, and how can I be a part of it? Number five, it says, he will fill everything with his glory. He will fill everything. Let me, let me get the quote exactly right. It says, um, It says toward the end that, um, no, I missed it again. It says, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So listen to that. God fills everything with his glory. God is in the business of reconciling the world. God is in the business of filling this broken world with his glory. And so God's glory will fill this world. I liked how John Piper said it. He said, he created humankind in the beginning to inhabit a beautiful creation and subdue it and enjoy it and reflect his glory in it. That is what he intends. 
to do through the new humanity called the church. Just like in the Garden of Eden, God created and said, now take care of this and experience my glory. That's what God calls us to today, is to live in this world and to fill it with God's glory. God wants to fill this world with his glory. And we get to be a part of it. And so part of what God is doing is reconciling all things. So let's put these pieces back together, and and we're going to work from from back to front there, backwards. God's plan is to fill this whole world with his glory. God's plan is to reconcile all things to him. How's he going to do it? He's going to do it through his church, through us. How's that going to happen? It's going to happen through his power, not in our great programming, not in our great ideas, not not in our great abilities. It's going to be through God's great power that he's going to reconcile all things to him. What power? The greatest power source to ever exist, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, is the same power that God's going to fill the earth with with his glory, fill everything with with his glory. And so here's the important question for us today. If God's plan is to fill everything with his glory, and if God's plan is to use us, his church, to accomplish that, if God's plan is to equip the church with the greatest power there is, are we living in God's great power? Are we a part of what God is wanting to do If the answer to that question is no, I would would ask us, why not? Why aren't we living in that great power? And and I'm not saying we're not. I think we are in some ways. but But I just think that God wants to do such amazing things. I think sometimes we look at the world around us and we think we don't have a chance. But God wants to fill everything with his glory. And so if it's not happening, why is it not? Number one, I think maybe it's because sometimes we don't allow Jesus to be the head of the church. It's about what we want, not about what God wants to do. Number two, I think that God's power is incomparably great, but sometimes we don't worship and serve and love and teach and preach in God's power. We preach and teach and serve and love in our own power. And you guys are, you guys are really good people, but you're nothing without the great power of God. God wants to do something amazing in this world, and God wants to use us through his power to accomplish it. So what stops us? I think two things stop us. I think fear stops us. I think we see the darkness around us, and we think we don't stand a chance. And we get stuck in fear, and we get stuck holding back because we really, deep down, don't understand that God's power is greater. Number two, I think our own realistic expectations or mindset stops us. That we have an idea of like, hey, this is what I think we can accomplish. This is what I think God wants me to do. And so maybe I can win a neighbor or two to church at some point. Maybe I can do this. And listen. I don't want to say this wrong. That is a great thing to do. You need to be winning your neighbors. You need to be doing good things. But I think we need to be living knowing that our realistic expectations for what God wants to do are nothing 
compared to what God has the power and the desire to do in this world, in this community, in this church. And so we need to live by that great power. And so let me just share with you where I'm at today. I've been praying. I've been asking God, what do you want to do? I've been asking God, what's your plan? And, and I mean, I think when, when you become a pastor, like there's these expectations of like, well, you, you know, the church needs to grow and, and, and you, need to, you need to preach well and, and you need to love people. You need to visit people in the hospital. And, and those are all great things and I want to do those. But you know what I want to do more than anything else? Do you know what my heart's desire is? It's not that 10 years from now you would look back at me and say, man, he was a pretty good guy. Man, he, he did an okay job preaching. I mean, he loved us when we needed him to love us. Uh, he, he was a good guy. He had some good ideas and good plans. You know, the church did okay under his leadership. Do you know what I want more than anything else for my ministry and for our church? Is that we 10 years from now, 20 years from now, would look back and say, man, God was moving. God was doing something in that church and those people and Alex had nothing to do with that. And the church board was a piece of it, but had nothing to do with that. That was God's power. That was God's work. And I pray that 10 years from now, it wouldn't be just about us being good in our own right. It wouldn't just be that we were, we were good enough, that we had good ideas. But that we could see that God moved in incredible ways. And I'm not talking about numbers. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking about God changing lives. I'm talking about God bringing resurrection to broken situations. I'm talking about God's incomparable power pouring through us and blowing away our realistic expectations of what God can do. And so you have families. You have friends. You have situations in your life that seem hopeless. I believe that God's power is greater than all those things. I believe that God wants to reconcile and bring his glory and fill this place and fill your lives and fill your friends' lives with his glory. And so do you know where my heart is? What do you want to do, God? What do you want to do in my life, in this church, in your kingdom just let me be faithful to be a part of it. Just show me your way, God. Just show me what you want us to do. And get me out of the way. Don't let me hold it back, but just go. I hope that down the road we can look back and say, man, God has been with us. God has stretched us. There's been moments of darkness and confusion, but God was with us. There's been moments of clarity filled with moments of confusion, but God was with us. And ultimately, man, God was doing something in this church, in my life. And so this morning, I think it would be important for each of us to ask ourselves that question. What for? You've each come here by a different path. Tony and I had very different paths to take to where we are today. And each one of you has a different story that represents different things that have happened in your life. But we're all here together, a part of God's kingdom. And my question is, what does God want to do through us? What does God want to do through you? What does God want to do through his church? And I think the answer to that 
is to exercise his great power over everything else and to fill this community and this church and this country and this, and this earth with God's glory. And so ask yourself this morning, God, what do you want to do? And where I'm at is I just want to lay myself down at God's feet and say, do what you want, Lord. It's yours. Your plans are greater than my plans. Your power is greater than my power. Do what you want, Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be together today. I thank you for for the people that have gathered here. I thank you that some of us have different stories of how we've gotten to this place or where we're at. Some of us are even in different places along our journey. Some of us have been here for a long time and some of us are maybe new to this whole thing. But Lord, I, I believe today that you want to do something through us. I believe that you have a plan to fill this world with your glory. I, I think you have a plan to change the lives of the people around us and to change those hopeless, broken situations. And so Lord, I pray that each and every one of us this morning would come before you and just say, God... Do what you want in my life. Do what you want in this church. Do what you want in this community. And just use us, Lord. We offer ourselves to you today and pray that you and your power and your glory would fill this place and beyond. We love you, Lord. Amen. Father, I just pray for each and every one of us that that would be our prayer today, that we surrender everything we have to you and we just want you to do what you want in our lives and in our church. And so Lord, we pray that today. Take our lives and just let us be an offering to you. Let us be your glorious inheritance. Let your power flow through us and do what you want in our lives today. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. Amen. Before you go, I just I want to share a little bit. Um, so the title today is Dream Big. And, and that's, I, I want to clarify, like that's, I don't, I don't want you to dream big in your own dreams or your own power or your your own dreams of what you want to see happen, I want you to say, God, what are the big dreams that you have for me today and in the coming days? I, I want to share just one thing with you. I've been talking lately about running around my neighborhood trying to get in shape. One of the things that I've been impressed upon, and, and I, I don't know exactly how much of this is from God and just how much of it is just my heart wanting this, but I've been running around my neighborhood trying to get in shape trying to feel better about myself, and I usually listen to music, but do you know what I think I'm going to start doing? Instead of just running around to get in shape, I'm going to run around and I'm going to pray that God will do something for the people in my neighborhood whose houses I'm running around. I've even got this crazy idea that like maybe 25 families from my neighborhood would come to know the Lord 
and I'm going to pray for that and I'm going to run around that neighborhood and sure it's going to help me get in shape but more than anything I want God's glory to fill my neighborhood what does God want to do in your life as you go I would challenge you to be praying what do you want to do God fill my heart with big dreams that that match your your power fill my neighborhood fill my church fill my community as you go offer yourself to God every day and ask for what God have a great day